Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Mitch Rap Podcast. What's new today, Mike? What's new is that I am feeling a whole lot better, totally relieved about this transition to Don Bentley because I finally read my first Matt Drake book and loved it. Yeah, no, I, I think that has to be like probably the biggest takeaway from reading without sanction. And you know, while so I just just a caveat, this is just a little our little notes. We 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 recorded an entire episode covering without sanction on our other feed, the No Limits of the Other Podcast. And at the end of this, we'll put we'll leave you with a little expert if, that if you're interested, you can go check out the full thing. And when we recorded that, we we tried to stay away from doing too much comparison with the Mitra, you know, even though it's, it was constantly in the back of my mind. I don't know about you, Mike, right? Oh, yeah. but I wanted to, I thought that, you know, it would be cool to just hop back on this feed and give our thoughts about, you know, what, what were we thinking as we were reading it? Obviously you, we already came out and said, we feel, <laughs> we feel better about this transition. I, I wonder if they also, there, were there people out there when they announced that Kyle was going, like, like, did did they go back and read, you know, his FBI series, and like, were they saying, or was it just like, boom, the book came out <laughs> and it said Kyle Mills on it? Like, I would love to. I don't remember that, uh, even though I got the, like, I, I read my first book while Vince was still alive. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you remember? No, because I wasn't plugged into social media. Then. Yeah, I mean exactly, especially not my um, media, so, like book media, social media. So. Right, I, I wasn't on that. I wasn't really into regular social media. I, I was kind of unplugged. So I, I could tell you that once I heard Kyle Mills and read The Survivor, I wanted more of his stuff. And then once we started this podcast, we wanted to read Mark Beeman. Uh, we did Rising Phoenix. I read a couple of his others. I definitely want to get to Fade. I still think. As a tribute to Kyle, we got to cover Fade at some point. And I, I think that's going to be his first non-Mitch Rapp book since, like, quote, retiring or having this mini retirement from Mitch Rapp. I, I think that's going to be a really fun book to cover. So I, I got to imagine there were readers like you and me and our listeners just ready to go devour Kyle Mills once he took over the series. They, I sure. People definitely did that. But I think a lot. Also, we're just willing to say, let's try something new. And their first Kyle Mills book, like me, and I think like you, was The Survivor at the time. Yeah. I mean, either way, I think, uh, you know, going forward, I think I think Don, at least with this first novel uh, that I've read of his, is shown to be capable. Obviously, the people at Emily Bessler Books and Atria and Simon Schuster think he's capable. And uh, I, I definitely think there are parallels we can draw from this first book where I could tease out. No, like I, I could see that being, you know, Mitrap in in the situation room, or I could see that being, you know, a character. Like we, we even get like a Marcus Dumont, like a beefed up Marcus Dumont type character, you know, who actually instead of being, you know, a cyber genius, is you know, on the ground because he was a a veteran and, and um, you know, got got attacked. I don't know. What do you want? Do you want to start with Matt Drake versus versus Mitrap? Like, or do you want to go somewhere else? Well, I think I just have to offer a caveat first that both you and I have only read the first book without sanction. So we're no experts on the topic. And we could probably have so many guests and maybe eventually we would definitely plan to who know Don Bentley's style in and out, read everything, read his Clancy verse books and 
all the Matt Drake books. Forgotten War just came out, by the way. You know, right, congratulations. Exactly. Pub Day just a, a little while back. That is what, the fourth Matt Drake book, I want to say? So, right. yeah, you and I, we're, we're novices. We have a lot to go. We're going to cover all of the Matt Drake. We really want to commit to that before or during the transition to uh, Kyle Mill, to, to Don from Kyle. But, yeah, I think I just have to caveat. We are not here to try to be experts or break down who Don Bentley is and what he's going to bring to the series. We're simply offering our first reactions. As people who just read the first Matt Drake book, what kind of uh, seeds or what kind of things can we see fitting into the Mitrap universe and what stylistic items? So just a caveat, no experts, but definitely just our initial musings, our initial thoughts. That being said, I don't think I want to compare the characters. I don't see a lot of value in that. Sure. But I do think it'd be important to compare, like you said, the White House scenes. What do we expect Don to bring there just based on this limited knowledge? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with action, actually, because to me, the strength of Without Sanction is Matt Drake on the ground operating, just doing badass stuff. And here's the key. He's not doing it and relying solely on his own skill set. I think Mitch progressed to a point where one of his biggest assets is the people around him and the relationship he's built up with them, the relationships he can call on, and knowing how well, not to manipulate people, but to read people. Because with Mitch, I've always said, even from the early Vince Flynn days, he can read a situation he can put his finger on something that other people can't, and then he knows how to respond to that in the field, in the moment. And the way Matt Drake is operating here and the way Don's writing it, we're actually in his head, the whole first person thing. So the fact that we're in the head of an operator, seeing that analysis, seeing the chess game being played, it's really cool to know that Don can have that that layer and and I don't think the first person is going to come into the Mitch Rap series. I I whoa! I think that would be too revolutionary to bring. That would his, be crazy. Yeah, no, that's too much, right? Like that would show that he's not fully committed to the series, but is committed to bringing his own works over. I, I and I don't think he's he's going to go that route. But I think it does show us. Damn, he can write a killer action scene. Holy crap, he can write a character who sees the battlefield as a chessboard and can read it perfectly. And has the tactical chops to back it up. So all of that makes me think, damn, he's going to have no problem writing Mitch Rapp, Scott Coleman, Marcus Dumond, Irene Kennedy, having this whole, you know, battlefield strategy. Yeah, and I think, I agree with you, I wouldn't want to compare like character to character. But the one thing I will say about Matt Drake, which I'm kind of intrigued to see what Don like sort of purports over is, and, you know, I don't, it's, definitely helped in, in his book with the first person, but just like the introspection that, that Matt has in his head. Yes. And I know like at times, like both Kyle and Vince would, would deal with that, but it was very interesting to see like how Don dealt with that with his character, especially his character going through this PTSD type situation. What, what, what is Don's, you know, sort of stamp going to be on Mitch? Like if you had to pick one thing from Kyle, I'd probably say the, Two things, like the, the the lightening up of the, the humor and probably the family aspects that he's he's grown to like have the relationship with with Anna and 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 Claudia. So like, what are what are Don's you know one or two things that he's going to put in? Is is he going to 
dive into that introspection. I think like this is where, you know, maybe as we're leading up to the next one, when we're reading books two, three, four, uh, you know, what, what is that relationship, Matt's relationship with Layla? What, what does that, what does that turn into? And, and can we sort of tease, you know, how maybe Don is going to want to handle, you know, relationships within the rappers in the future? You know, it, at the same time, all of this could lead, it could be all, all, all for naught because <laughs> right. Don could completely, you know, or, you know, I don't know, I don't know how much someone could be told to do something if they're brought onto a, a writing project. Everyone wants to have their own creative thing. And, but yeah, you know, so it's, it's definitely going to be a wild ride. But yeah, you're right. The, the action is what I'm really excited for. And, Deep deeper into the action is the descriptions, like you know, just that hey ho jump description. Oh like, yeah, that the entire opening when you're going through the whole when he's with that with when he's with that one chief or you know higher up and they're they're doing all the checks together and then all of a sudden all the guys like sort of just happen to come around him and then each of them give him like you know some sort of salute whatever handshake pat on the back like that was really cool and I, I think I could see scenes where that's going to be. You know, something like that, doing the research, putting the knowledge, the work in are going to fit perfectly in the Raptors. Dude, a hundred percent. And you know what? As you said that, it just made me think of. I'm in my mind like there's some Mitch rap scene. It's early Vince where we get the technical, but not so much technical that it's bogged down by jargon. And then we also see him and the guys, you know rendezvousing and it was the opening scene in transfer of power when mitch docks on the beach in iran and he comes oh, up right, right, right from right. the dive right he was on like he was on a boat he abandoned that you know deflated it and then he he, he beaches uh in the surf and then under some like pier or whatever he meets up with that team of guys there's a team of seals there on the beach and they're all changing out of their scuba gear and putting it in, you know, in in some wet bags, and then they're gonna dump it in the sea, or they bury it even. But I'm like, yo, that hey ho jump, and like you're saying, the procedural aspects of preparing for it, but also all the guys communicating and knowing the steps that they have to take, and basically reading and and playing off of one another to do the job seamlessly. Dude, that reminds me so much of Mitch on the beach. What was that guy's name? There was a team leader. Of that SEAL team who doesn't show up again, but who is a really cool character. Dan? Oh, it's probably in our notes for tra- tra- for transfer power. Dan something? We got hardcores like Mark Harris screaming at his computer right now like, you idiots! <laughs> it's blank, blank, blank. <laughs> Dan Harris. I think it was Dan Harris. Yeah. Was it Dan Harris? It's got to be. Mark Harris. It was Harris. It's Harris Harris is his last name. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's Dan Harris, man. You have to do your Kindle search thing. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna. uh, I'm gonna wager that shows that we are the true Vince Planet (laughs) Encyclopedia here. That we can pull it out or like think we're wrong, but we're actually right. You know, that was Hackett and Strobel too, was it not? Was that their introduction? Um, and now that I don't think so. But. You don't think so? Okay. Well, wh- when's the first time they come up then? Yeah, see, so you're immediately proving my point wrong. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I blew it. I blew it right in my mouth. I, tr- I swung for the fences and just hit a foul ball. 
No, Hackett and, Hackett and Strobel, I think, are mentioned term limits. Anyway. Oh, yeah, because they're part of um, – they're brought in when, whenever we see the first, like, CL demolition, whenever Scott comes into play. Right, ex- exactly. I mean, regardless, I just think those two scenes are a peas in a pod. And you mentioned Frodo. I do think the way Mitch and Scott Coleman operate together, build a friendship together, and just are always on the same page – I feel like we got to see that between Matt Drake and Frodo, but inside right. of his head. Sure. Something we never got to see with Mitch. Like, he's not an emotional guy by any stretch of the imagination, but he's grown to have a lot of emotional maturity with, with the, the trauma he's dealt with. And it goes back to your earlier point about Matt Drake and the relationships and the family dynamics. I think even in just book one, that is handled so well by Don his relationship with his wife and the struggles that he's going through, but also the family of assets that he lost, the little girl, a beer and what right, it means right. to him. And the, the father and mother, yeah, yeah. The father and mother who they activated the beacon, but Madre couldn't send in the cavalry to save them as he promised. And now he, for six months, is dealing with his demons and, and PTSD and seeing their faces everywhere he goes. I feel like that shows Don has has the chops right off the bat to really write a deep personal storyline that the operators are really dealing with. And man, we know the trauma Mitch has been through. We can only imagine the trauma Anna and Claudia are going to have to reckon with eventually. They seem to be happy-go-lucky, you know, in Namibia, sliding down the dunes and whatever. But Claudia is really seriously asking, like, what's next for this family? And Mitch has to answer that question. And Vince wanted to answer those questions. When he wrote scenes with love her or hate her, Anna, like I know fans are divided on that, but there's no doubt it meant a lot to Vince that Mitch should try to have a normal family life. He he, right. he wanted to play with that. He wanted to see what Mitch would go through because so many of our guys have gone through that. And he wanted that to be his in his story. That's why it is the plot of his, you know, magnum opus, Consent to Kill, that's where Anna dies. That's where Mitch has to deal with this. That's when he goes revenge Mitch on everybody. Like that was Vince's crux of this series that Mitch needs to grow. Mitch needs to be put in those situations that are very tough on him and his family. He pretends to be a cold blooded killer with no emotion, but deep down he is a very caring, dedicated human friend and now father adopted father to Anna and I think the fact that Kyle ran with that, I'm actually doing for our patrons on our patron-only series, Mike's Top Mitch Moments. I'm up to number nine now, but you betcha, cracking into that top five is going to be a lot of Mitch family moments. I think that really sets this series apart. And Don is showing us, just in book one, with the way he handles Matt Drake and this family of operatives that or assets that he lost and loved and can't shake and keeps thinking about he can write that emotional maturity into who is also a you know a stone cold killer Matt Drake, but he can give him that sense of emotional intelligence. I think that's the right way to take Mitch at this point in his life. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think one of the other things that really stood out was the you kind of mentioned at the top is the White House scenes. I think that Matt's going to definitely have the chops to to write that to. You know, like some of the interactions with the CIA director and although she ultimately like wasn't that good of a person, but you know, the, the dynamics between them and the president and the chief of staff, like 
I see the rooting there that, you know, we're going to see scenes that inevitably are in every single mid-trap novel, you know, placing whether it's Irene or Irene's predecessor or, or wh- whoever it may be with, with the president. Yeah, we're we're going to get a new president, right? So, yeah, uh, or like, right. w- you know, and all of this obviously can change, can change once we, you know, know the ending of Code Red. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see where, where we're left off. But I, I, you know, just to echo what we said at the top, I think we, Don is, we, we're in good hands with Don, for sure. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm real curious as we read more of his Matt Drake series. And possibly even get into Target Acquired and his other Clancy books. No doubt he's probably nailing the Situation Room meetings and the dialogue there. If he's ever brought in like Capitol Hill and a committee room or a hearing, you know, that was Vince Flynn's bread and butter. I think I think Kyle tried it here and there, but it necessarily wasn't his his go-to. I think if Don has started doing that in the Clancy verse, which I assume he has, haven't haven't read those yet. Yeah, he's definitely gonna be a good that's gonna be awesome. I I mean, you mentioned some of Don's characters in Without Sanction, book one, were really compelling. He almost had a Stu Garrett-like character in book one. You know, that chief of staff was giving us Stu Garrett vibes or Hank Clark vibes. Just phenomenal stuff right there. No reason to not trust that he's going to handle a post-Cook White House. You know, like, what the heck do you do with that? Or maybe Kyle tees him up. We don't even know yet with Code Red. Like... Everything we're saying could go right out the window and it'd be completely yeah. wrong. But it, I don't know. Is Kyle going to tee him up for who the president's going to be? Does he leave him an election cycle to invent his own president? Because Jorge, and we don't know if, uh, what was his name? Jorge uh, Gonzalez. Gonzalez, yeah. Is around long term in the Matt Drake series or not? And on our Without Sanction episode, you and I even had a nice little back and forth of, is he a good guy, right? Is, right. is, is he on our team? Yeah, I think you could argue that his chief of staff is definitely not on the right side of, right. You know, we're we're not a fan of him, but the the president is has let you know yet where the jury's still out, as they say. That would be kind of cool, right? To have one of those kind of characters. It's almost like Barbara Lonsdale. Remember how much we hated Barbara? Was it Barbara Lonsdale who was in the extreme measures? And then she, and then she ended up becoming out. like a friend, right? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And then she ended up seeing what the guys do on the uh, on an op, and they saved her life. And she has a total one eighty, has a to- does a total one eighty, has a different perspective. And now she defends our special operations and intelligence gathering on the hill. And, and I'm just like, the fact you can have flexibilities and flexibility in characters, you can work in that gray zone. People who were black turn white, white turn black. You know, good and evil. That's really compelling storytelling, and, and Kyle certainly pulled that off a bunch of times. Even just in book one, we see Don Bentley pulling that off. It's going to be really fun to have a new author playing with. It's like a sandbox, right? Post-Code right. Red could really be a sandbox for the Mitrap universe. And if there's any sandbox I want to play in as an adult, it's the Mitrap sandbox. <laughs> yep, yep. No, I'm I'm super excited. Hashtag Mitrap sandbox. Let's see you tweet at us. There you go. Tell us. Tell us one thing that you ultimately have to have in your first Don Bentley novel. Ooh. I think there's really good signs pointing to this. And I think Don has said in interviews he wants to do it. And I'm thank goodness because I got to have it. Irene's got to make some badass calculations and some bold moves. I've got to see Irene 
do something bold, do something daring, whether she's speaking up to somebody, taking charge of a situation, or secretly and like kind of under the covers planting some sort of evidence that will bear fruit. I I, I want to see Irene do some just nasty stuff, just awesome stuff. That's a great question. What do you say? You know, Scott's become a real like big big player the last couple of novels. And I, I definitely want to see that continue. In my mind's sort of like a, a continuation of what, what's got to be there. I, I don't want to see him take a backseat, become uh, ancillary, you know, small little toy in the toy box. I, I need Scott to be almost one to one with Mitch going forward. Like he's just he's that important of a character. I, yeah. At least I feel like I don't know. It's true. And I, I want to see some more of these other like historical. Mitrap, you know, universe guys come back into the fold and like, let's, let's see more of them, you know? Like, yeah. You know, I wouldn't mind that. That's a good one. I definitely want more Scott Coleman. I'm, I can't disagree with that. But yeah, if you, if Don can go and pull and pluck some character from the depths of getting forgotten in the Mitrap saga and give them a reason to be front and center. Yeah. That'd be really cool. That'd be a lot of fun. I guess on that note, how badly, because some people are predicting this, how badly do you want to see Don be the one to write the kill shot sequel? Uh, I don't know. Let's let's see what his own first novel is. I, well, I think well, I was um, going to say, would it be his first novel? Because some people are predicting that. Really? I, I don't. I don't. If they didn't let Kyle do it, I, I don't think they'll let you don't see Don it? do it. No, I would think. it would it not be easier because somebody argued this and I thought it was really good. Would it not be easier to have him do that? That way he only has to basically recapture Vince's writing. He doesn't have to try to blend parts of Vince and parts of Kyle and make it modern. He can just say, nope, I'm going back where Vince left off. He basically can do what Kyle did, right? Take where Vince left off, write the story. Wouldn't he be able to do that more freely and easily going back to Killshot? Take where Vince left off and try to do what Kyle did with the Survivor. That's great. What, what if Code Red Mitch dies? Dude, stop and it. Then, stop it. Stop and, it. Stop and it. going, for, going stop forward. It. Stop it. All of Don's books are just the books in between Kill Shot and Transfer of Power. Chris, you're canceled. It's over. <laughs> you're canceled. All right. Hot take. I cancel you. I unilaterally I don't know. cancel you. I'm going to have Emily Bessler cancel you. Okay? Everyone <laughs> yeah, cancel thanks. you. You canceled. <laughs> thanks. No, I I think it's just going to be a sequel to to Code Red. and Or not even a sequel. Like I think like we're going to see some sort of like ending. And then Don can just pick up and do whatever he wants. And, you know, maybe sometime in the future. Or, you know, it, it may never get answered. And it's fine. Like, it's, it's I'd rather... Leave it as it is, then, you know, have some sort of half-assed attempt or, or you know, an unsatisfactory attempt just to have a book there, you know. So you'd basically rather end with Return of the Jedi instead of having some prequels <laughs> and sequels. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> well, I mean, I always like more content when it comes to Star Wars, but... Uh, Somehow Palpatine returned. <laughs> we would have never got the Mandalorian if that wasn't the case, and I love that show, so... If you can have one character, let's say somebody gives Don Bentley an, a fifth series to inherit because he's already doing 18 million other things. And they go, take one character from Mitch Rapp and give him a spinoff series. Who would you want it to be? Obviously, Scott, you've already said that. 
spinoff series. Uh, well, since he's already doing the Jack Ryan, you know, Jack Ryan Jr. stuff, maybe, maybe Tommy getting drafted into the, the, the State Department. Tommy slash Kennedy. CIA. And uh, he becomes an analyst slash handler or a case officer. Diplomat. I don't, I don't know what they call him any. I don't, I don't know what they call him anymore. But uh, yeah, Rory young, Nash, young, young, or Rory Nash. Both of them. They, His roommates they, was Rory they, Nash. They're rooming together. Both of them go into the Foreign Service slash CIA. Dude, that's a good thing we weren't hired to write this series. But no, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, if you have any other theories. Because, you know, we haven't read all the Don Bentley books. We definitely look forward to covering them here on the podcast. And, by the way, sign up for No Limits, the Thriller podcast, our third podcast feed. We're going to be covering those books over there. But if you have other ideas, connections of how you think Don's style and what he's going to bring to the series, uh, what you expect, not necessarily predictions, but just general thematic, stylistic, and even character uh, building, uh, connections that could be brought into the series hit us up uh we definitely want to hear from you you're the experts not us and uh we would definitely explore that later on the pod down the road but for now we're going to leave you with a short clip from our without sanction review again we have a full episode over an hour of us discussing ranking and rating this book on no limits the thriller podcast i absolutely recommend you get to the very end of that episode the last couple of minutes Chris and I like to, when we review a book, give a, our winners of the book. And we both chose Don Bentley as our winner because that is a kick-ass debut book. And I read a quote, an extremely powerful, moving quote written in first person from Matt Drake, the main character's perspective. And it just shows Don has the skill, the talent. He nails this one passage. It's just a powerful, emotional passage towards the end of the book. I had to read it on air, so definitely want you to hear that shout-out at the end of the Without Sanction episode over at No Limits, the Thriller podcast. But here's a brief preview for you now. Hundred percent with you. I can't agree more. I don't think I was ever ambivalent. I wasn't worried in any way. But in the back of my mind, sure. I, I was like, I don't know who this is. I, I've heard all the news. I've read the bios. I've heard interviews. But I have not read his written work yet. So this was a big opportunity for me to kind of come into it. Actually, I had two mindsets. One was I want to let this book stand on its own and read it as it is. I want to look for these connections. But another thing is it's it's rather simple. And I say that in a good way because – I feel like Kyle, he swung for the fences, as we've said many times, and he let his imagination run wild. And man, that was just a whole lot of fun. Like everything we did with Mitch going to these, you know, countries he's never been to before, dealing with these threats he's never dealt with before. And we just had him in new situations. I feel like Don really streamlined this book. It was a very almost straightforward story. It it didn't get overly complex. Uh, it You didn't lose the reader in mindless rabbit holes and side quests. It kept to the story. It had a tight plot, really tight pacing, great action sequence pacing. And so not, not that I don't like what Kyle did in the series because we're over the moon about it, but I do think there's a chance for simplicity here to tell a tight, 
concise Mitch Rapp story in the Mitch Rapp universe that doesn't necessarily go into this wild imagination. And I really thought Don's book here was very grounded. It's essentially one ranger dealing with his personal demons, but also feeling the pressure to save another fellow ranger because no one will be left behind. And that that's a very simple story, yet the way he fleshed it out was just knockout. And so I just, I like the, the tight, uh, simplistic storytelling. And I say simplistic in a very good way. Yeah, no. And I, I think, you know, this book was pretty well received. It's got a 4.2 on Goodreads, 4.4 on Amazon. Um, you know, on the cover, we get a quote from Lee Child, sensationally good, you mm-hmm. know? Like you said, I, I think it's it's very tight. It's It tells an interest, you know, we, I, and I guess I shouldn't claim to be an expert, you know, I've, you're, you're more of an expert in this uh, genre than me, but we haven't had many that have, you know, DIA is the focus. Um, so that's that's something new to me. In Army Ranger, oftentimes we, we've dealt a lot with Navy SEALs uh, or CIA operatives. Um, this You can tell that, uh, you know, Don, hailing from the Army, has great respect for, you know, these these players, these operatives. I think during the, once we got into Syria... Mm-hmm. And we're getting into mission, mission preparation, mission action scenes. It was, it was freaking humming. Man. That's that's it, where it, it took was, off. It was, it was so crisp, Dude. so clean. I'm reading it, and I'm I wanted to text you, but I didn't. I wanted to like save it for the pod too. Just like this is freaking awesome. <laughs> you know the, the, the whole hey the whole hey ho jump sequence oh. and going into that description and the the pre flight check. I've never been yes. more intrigued or like uh, you know enthused about everything that was going on yeah the minutia you know that that was exactly you know i i cared about it i appreciated it and it, it was the t- that attention to detail that that really really sung that don don put here i'll be honest i i i don't think the book really started for me until that hey ho jump and him embedded in syria the minute that happened to me, it became a different book and I became a different reader. I unfortunately, and right. I'll admit to the people, I started the book in the first third or so. I wouldn't say down on it, but I was, I was okay, I see what he's doing with the PTSD. I kind of like that angle. Not sure I'm down with the, the writing just yet. I liked what he was doing in the White House. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the characters and the chief of staff, Peter Redman. I'm like, yeah, I could see where you're going with this guy's conflicted interest and his need to get his presidential candidate elected. That's going to trump everything. And I was even questioning the whole first person perspective. I think that's an elephant in the room Mm. we got to talk about. At first, I wasn't sure how I felt jumping back from Matt Drake were in his shoes, in his mind, first person storytelling. Then we go to the White House and it's third person, but with a bias. We're clearly in like Peter's Mm. shoes. It's not first person, but we're being led to believe that Beverly, the the DCI, the CIA director, she's like she's the bad actor, and I, I don't know if I can truly believe everything being said about her because it's coming from this Peter character. We hope you enjoyed that preview. As Mike said, go check it out on our No Limits the Thriller podcast. And as always, we need to thank our patrons, our special adversary, 
Our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Dawn, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcast. You can find us online at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Insta at thrillerpodcast. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster, but thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Gorilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.